live on tape from KGCR Studios in sunny Southern California. This is Glitch City Radio. Welcome, everybody, to episode three of Glitch City Radio, the podcast magazine for Glitch City, an indie games and digital arts collective based here in Culver City. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Julian Cantor, and across from me... <laughs> Hi, I'm Jamie Joe Perino, the other host, and we're here sitting with our awesome panelists, Rachel and Atlee. Rachel, tell us a little bit about who you are. Hi, I'm Rachel Sala. I am a native to Los Angeles. I've been an indie developer for almost seven years at this point, and I've been helping manage Glitch City for about two and a half years. As our audience well knows, since you were the interview subject last episode. It's so- true. Following on our well-established at this point format, you're back on the panel and you'll be conducting our interview this week. Yes. With Brendan Chung. I'm excited oh, for Oh, Brendan it. Chung. He's he's another repeat guest. Yes. There's more people in Glitch City, I promise, but... People keep <laughs> coming back. It's true. It's addictive, the podcast, you know, participating. And then sitting to my left is Atlee. Atlee, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi there. My name is Atlee. I am an independent developer and engineer for VR games and experiences. I also teach engineering to high schoolers. Rad. Super rad. Sounds difficult. (laughs) It's a blast. I I just know from how I was in high school, I would not want to teach high school kids, but... Maybe your experience is different. I don't know. I have had an opposite experience. I think everyone who works with high schoolers has a little bit of a glow around them because the amazing thing about high schoolers is they are so dexterous and their brains are peaking. They are completely well-functioning, but they're unfinished, <laughs> in, you know, emotionally. But then they wow. are weathering all of these challenges. So are uh, 30-year-olds, by the way. <laughs> that's my personal experience. Um, but that's, okay. Actually, we should mention our, we have a all-women panel, which is nice because our mm-hmm. previous all men. I don't know what's going on there. We got to work on the Awful. diversity of our <laughs> panel composition next time, Jamie. We got to... Oh, right. For our next uh, round of shows. I, for one, am excited for this panel because we have a unofficial secret club within our collective called, and I don't know if we can, can swear. We can bleep it if necessary. On there. So we're Bitch City, which is a play on Glitch City. Nice. <laughs> Not everyone knows about it. So Bitch City is representing on this show, this mm-hmm. episode. Fight us. Tell us where you are. Turn your location on. We'll get you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Come to Glitch City if you want an ass kicking. Yeah. <laughs> You know where to find us. It's true. Yeah. So I updated the location on Google Maps. You can't actually find us now. It was not accurate before. No, it was an uh, architect firm. Also labeled as the Internet Cafe. Not true. <laughs> <laughs> right. Glitch City, we are not an Internet Cafe. That is correct. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anyway, let's get into our next segment. You know, we've been doing this theme. Actually, some of the feedback we've been getting on Twitter and elsewhere, right. these themes, people you know, not not so sure on the themes. We'll take that under advisement. We're going to have a theme this show. We'll reveal the theme when we come back from this commercial break. Who are you? Alex Belzer. 
a game developer. What kind of games do you develop? Uh, all kinds. Do you play any game to de-stress? Theoretically, I play American or European truck driver simulator, but I haven't played it in a while. What I currently play to de-stress is Mega Man Legends, the most charming, cheerful, bright, happy game. Who are you? Rachel Sala, a long-time member of Glitch City. What game do you play to de-stress? I guess largely Destiny 2. Play some PvP, kill some robots, collect gear. Feels good, man. It feels good to end the lives of robots. Absolutely, they deserve it, even though I totally play as a robot in that game. Wow. Who are you? Ben Esposito, creator of Donut County, member of Glyph City. Is there any game that you play to de-stress? Most games de-stress me out, but Dream Quest, a card-based roguelike for iOS. I've played that one. There's so many decisions that you can't make a perfect one every time. Just gonna see how it goes. Who are you? Major Wallach, game developer and organizer of Train Jam. I love game jams and I love trains. Well then I've got a game jam for you. What games do you play to de-stress? Stardew Valley. It's very methodical, very pleasant, but there's times where it gets really stressful. Oh god, I don't have any hay and all my animals are hungry. This episode is brought to you by Skin Deep. Skin Deep. An immersive first-person shooter that takes place on a vast, non-linear starship. Skin Deep. Sneak, subvert, and sabotage to survive in this stellar sandbox. Skin Deep. You're outnumbered, outgunned, and have no shoes. Skin Deep from Lendo Games. Skin Deep is coming soon to your personal computer. And we're back. I want to thank the interns in our marketing department for all their hard work on the commercial. Uh, yes, once again. You know, I just feel like you have to thank them because right. they're not paid. As we said last time, yeah. Unlike, we're, we're getting a lot of money here with this. Uh, donate to patreon by the way okay anyway yeah. <laughs> so our topic today is statistics statistics Ooh. let's get the discussion going now yes okay um i i have a good stat oh but what's your good stat atley so in the u.s in colleges today about half of the people graduating in some STEM fields, such as math and biology, are femme or female. But in other STEM fields, such as engineering and computer science, the statistic is much lower. It's actually around 10 or 15 percent. What is STEM for our listeners? Uh, science, science, technology, technology engineering, engineering, and, and math. math. That Ooh, ruled nice. set it yeah. in unison. Sounds like in stereo. A lot of people are using Steam, Steam now, which I love because the A is for art. It's like, cool, thanks for the shout out. Art. I, I understand the others being together, but... I think it's the idea that it's all technical. There's training and practice involved. I'm not sure, that, but that a lot of it's like, like hard execution versus theory. Sorry, Atley, what was your statistic, though? No, I'm thoughtful about that comment about art. Um... The significance of the statistic is that there's been a lot of progress made in certain STEM fields in terms of genders, and this has nothing to say for the uh, broader spectrum of gender. Unfortunately, a lot of the statistics out there are covering a subset of male and female. However, in that analysis, the representation of females in engineering and computer science is staggeringly low for what you might expect of 2018. I started uh, engineering when I was 28, and I was really shocked later in life to be in classes where there were so few females and to feel what that feels like. 
the fact that I'm white woman from Westport, Connecticut, from a privileged background, great education, good health care. Uh, I got used to being treated as an equal. And then I think when I went into the engineering world, I felt this sort of change of being treated as a uh, almost as like a threat. <laughs> Since then, I've sort of uh, dedicated myself to getting more chicks interested in engineering because I think it's a lot of fun. Hell yeah. It's pretty good. And also a very good use of the uh, discussion topic as well. I think it's surprising how we let a statistic like that sort of guide us. Like we hear it and we don't forget it. I'm here at Glitch City. This is a community space. I like working out of here, but, and I, but I have the same sort of goals. I want to make people who statistically aren't part of games or tech um, feel welcome to be part of it. And that includes other genders, other minorities. My goal now is to make them feel like they belong. And, you know, I'm minority woman from the Bay Area, though. I was born in Silicon Valley. Sandisk is in my hometown, and Google is, like, next door. I went to public school, but I was very lucky in that my high school had an engineering program, so I was in the engineering track. The culture there is for everyone to get into tech, so it made sense for me. But then you move out of an area like that, or you finally get into the working world, and you realize the demographic shifts. I float between quote-unquote geek industries, and that's definitely another place where people, the, the, the term is like fake geek girl. It's like, do you really read comics? Well, I make them, you know? Or like, do you actually <laughs> play games? It's like, yes, I've wasted so many hours playing games. And then you hear the statistics, and that's what drives home this unease that you feel. It's validating, in a way, for me to read those statistics. Like you're saying with like, oh, I'm going to choose this career path because I see the statistic that says that I should be choosing this career path. People can be sort of guided yeah. by these Oh, I would say no one should choose games out of statistics. <laughs> choose games because you have some sort of really weird drive to get your ass kicked every single day as long as you're making games. But I meant mostly in comparison to Atlee talking like about a very personal subject that is important to me as well as another female developer. Like there's not that many of us. And I already feel like the stereotype is like, oh, female developer, clearly she's an artist. And I'm like, oh, I definitely fall into that versus Atlee, who's an engineer. So you're kicking ass, Atlee. Good stuff. We started out touching on Bitch City, which we had set up one late Sunday night after one hard, long week of, you know, mm -hmm. being alone in our <laughs> respective fields and realizing that spending a little bit of time with people who identified with some of the things you struggled with, with people talking over you or not making eye contact or assuming you don't know what you're doing or paying you half as much, expecting that you're going to get coffee or take notes at the meeting or whatever it is, spending some time with people who just get that and you don't have to explain yourself is kind of like a blood transfusion and gives you some energy to go back into the work week. And I only mention that because you hear something like, oh, bitch city, and some people reply to me and they say, oh, well, that's pretty exclusive. I just want to underscore the reason to have groups where, you know, someone who is typically falling into a minority within a certain context suddenly mm -hmm. finds themselves as a majority is because there's this revitalization of energy and strength. In terms of Bitch City, correct me if I'm wrong, but my understanding of it is that we just meet sometimes on Sunday evenings and anyone can go. Anyone but can go. The thing is, it's like... You have to be respectful of the reason why we've created the space. Yeah, I mean, it's 
it's like if you don't feel the need to go on a Sunday evening to hang out with other femmes, essentially. Chicks. Yeah. Non-binary. Exactly. I need to open this up more because I as well am learning. The idea is to just tip the scales. And Yeah, well, we might need that energy more than people who do not identify as those things. So it's kind of self-selecting versus outright exclusionary. Like, yeah, sure, do you want to come and hang out on a Sunday night with us? That's fine. But we're just going to be working quietly and maybe, you know, having a beer, might get some chips, you know, and having a few discussions. <laughs> it has an intention of being welcoming mm-hmm. and uh, revitalizing. Exactly. Um, despite the sort of tongue-in-cheek play on. Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> I think the point is, if you can feel comfortable repping the label Bitch City, you're welcome. Very you're welcome, welcome to come <laughs> join us and, you know, try your hand at coding or teach us something or whatever whatever it is and it's one of those times i feel comfortable and like we can put music on and we can have a beer and that's because it's sunday night it's not a big deal dance party and use garbage prototypes publish those for no good reason (laughs) it's a place where we're really your cracks and failures are glorified (laughs) i appreciate the honesty garbage is gold oh yes at bitch city oh yes (laughs) the most supportive group for your dreams of failure very Mm -hmm. aspirational i hope you feel inspired right now julian i mean if it wasn't on sunday night i would Mm -hmm. you know be there in a heartbeat (laughs) it's basically our church oh yep trying to tie it back to the statistic theme completely drawing a blank so let's go to our interview segment rachel you ready yes Okay, Rachel, you're going to be conducting your interview with Brendan Chung coming up next. Rachel Sala, member of Glitch City. I'm here interviewing Brendan Chung. Hello, Brendan. Thanks hey, for being Rachel. Today. Can you tell me a little bit about yourself and your background for our fine listeners? Yeah, I, I have been doing video games for some time. I used to work in the, the AAA world, and now I've been doing the whole independent thing for about eight years. What was that transition like for you? Before the AAA stuff, I was in the mod world. I was making lots of things for Quake and Half-Life. And then I worked in AAA for about five years, and then I went back to doing my small stuff. So it was kind of returning back to home for me. And I'm, I'm having a really good time doing it. What are some of your previous projects? The last thing I released was Flotilla 2, which is a, a VR turn-based spaceship game with a bunch of cool glitch people uh, collaborating on it with me, which I'm very happy about. And part of that was Quadrilateral Cowboy, 30 Flights of Loving, Gravity Bone, and Adam Zombie Smasher, and some other stuff. Your current game is in VR. Has that been like a wild transition or has it felt pretty like intuitive to you? It's, it's been weird. I think the fun part of doing VR development is that a lot of the interface and control concepts and paradigms just completely don't exist. Everyone's still trying to figure it out. It's a fun feeling to be part of this giant effort to figure out how to make things work and how to make this feel good and intuitive. And like, there's something exciting about not having many examples to look at. There's something fun about knowing that the thing that you're doing might be the first time that someone is trying it out. Yeah, VR is so new. There's lots of experimentation to be done. Just like super basic stuff of how do you move in a world or what? how do you handle it when a person tries to stick their head through a wall and <laughs> uh, no, one, no one knows. 
What are you working on right now? A first-person shooter game. Skin deep. Returning to your roots. Yes. I also know you're working on a few other projects, such as Sub Rosa and Dark Ride. I'm curious, how do you switch so well between so many projects? That's something I really struggle with. I think a lot of people do. Do you have any cool tips? Uh, no, I don't. Um, <laughs> the reason I don't is because I, I usually do just work on one project at a time. I'm usually just a one project person. And I think the reason why I'm doing multiple projects is uh, I just thought I'd try it out. Sometimes doing just one thing, uh, especially with Quadrilla Cowboy, you kind of enter a bit of a rut sometimes. You're just hitting your head on the same project mm -hmm. all day long. Um, I thought it'd be kind of fun to try changing gears. Are you enjoying changing gears so often right now? Yeah, yeah. It's fun because everything kind of requires something different. Like Sub Rosa is kind of nice because I am one of the artists on it. So it's mm -hmm. nice to just work on my one my one little corner of the game and mm -hmm. just not think about it the rest of the day. It's not a lot of like decision making. I mean, there is, but it's not like heavy design thoughts or anything, right? Yeah, yeah. That's kind of nice. Oh, I, like I, that. I get that. It's nice to be able to turn off your brain. It's like, I'm, I'm done with this project. I can not think about it. <laughs> Instead of ruining on a 24-7. Yes. Was Quadrilateral Cowboy your longest project to date? It was. It was. My stuff prior to that took about six months. Oh, wow. Which was kind of, I think that's a good amount of time to work for me. And Quadrilateral Cowboy was about four, uh, a little over four years. It was too long. Too yeah, long. I understand. It sometimes <laughs> can wear on you. Yeah. Glitch City. What was that process like? It was a bunch of LA developers and we had been doing this thing called Strawberry Jam where we met like at a coffee shop every Sunday to just work and hang out and not be alone. And I feel that. Yeah. And we just decided, you know, it'll be good to have a more permanent thing. And so a lot of the people put a lot of time and effort into finding a space and getting all the paperwork and all that. I was very lucky to be a part of it, I feel. It's been a huge asset to me personally, so I'm very grateful that Glitch City is here. It's nice to be able to compartmentalize the things in your life. Like, I'm going to go here to work, and I'm going to leave and go home and relax. I have a desk in my room, and I haven't touched it in a while because it stresses me out. It's easy <laughs> to go from, like, bed to desk over and over again for a few days, and you just get sad very quickly. Yeah, when your office is in the same room as where you're living. I did that for about three years. That actually was okay for a while, but then around year two or three, I started getting kind of stirred crazy. I was losing track of days. I was not seeing people. I was not seeing daylight for days. Oh no, vitamin D deficiency yeah, that wasn't here great. in Los Angeles. <laughs> it's hard to do, but apparently it can't happen. What is your process like? What is like an average day for you? An average day? Um, I generally don't plan out my projects very much in advance. I kind of feel it out as I go along. So basically, most of my days, I'll just start working on a thing that I think is funny or interesting, and I'll just try to see where that goes. When I did used to do like document stuff a little more carefully, I would just find that the, the organic design process would just kind of make that document outdated pretty quickly. With the way that I work, the game just kind of goes in its own direction. Do you have like a bit of a background in films? Do you incorporate a bunch of those cinematic elements very well in your games? The way that I try to think of it is that filmmaking, there's a bunch of things that they have in its language and its, its little toolbox that it has. I think one way to think about it is instead of segregating all these things into cutscenes and cinematics, is to move them into the real-time things that the player is doing. Like, how do you make dissolves and cuts work in a real-time game. Not in a cutscene, but 
when the player is actually moving the mouse and pressing buttons. And it's it's a weird problem. It's kind of hard to find too many examples of it, so you're kind of like scrambling the dark. There's something fun and challenging about that. Actually, no. My my secret lifetime plan is I want to make a game in every genre. I want to try every genre out there. I generally don't like play much sports games or racing games, but I would absolutely love to make one of those. I think it's fun to make things that you don't know much about. I think when you take someone out of the comfort zone, you get interesting results all the time. So if you were to make a racing game, would you base it off of a racing movie? Like, would you make Fast and the Furious the game? Or would you just be like, I think this is what a racing game should have in it? Would you make Speed Racer the game? Yes, I would love that. (laughs) Yeah, I I think there's so much to explore. Mm -hmm. And like, you can imagine so many wacky, wacky racing games you can make that don't exist out there. And I think there's something fun in just trying it out and see what it looks like. The, the, the one thing that I want to make is a racing game in which you have complete control over every button and gear and lever of the car, but you can't control the steering wheel. Ooh. I think that'll be funny. That would be really funny. Would it be another player steering or would it be a, like the AI? It would be the AI steering. Oh, that's wild. How would you, like, would it be a manual transmission car? Yes, 100%, yes. Oh, man, I would love to see, like, the clutch shifting. I want to do that on a controller. Yeah. Would you have to use your blinkers? Yes. Turn the headlights on and off? What about wiper blades? Everything. Every button. I'm so into this. What's another genre you really want to explore sometime soon? I want to do an MMO. (laughs) Really? What kind of MMO? I want to do a chill MMO that I can play while watching television. What kind of television? (laughs) (laughs) the one in my living room the movie Van Helsing from 2004. With um, with Hugh Jackman. With Hugh Jackman. I believe we talked about this in the car and we ate Ikea a couple days ago. <laughs> yeah, it's it's mega entertaining. It's from the person that directed The Mummy starring Brendan Fraser. So if you want to see The Mummy but in uh, wearing a Victorian medieval hat, then this is the movie for you. Um, any games you're excited to come out in the next year? Oh, yeah, there was. I think they are doing a um, a new Wolfenstein game. Another one? I think you play as the protagonist two kids or something like that. Whoa. I think the Wolfenstein games are, are really great, and they have really fun storytelling stuff in them. 
What are some of your hopes for indies in the industry in your future-ish? What I would want for Games World is for tools to become even easier to use and freer to use. When I think of things like Twine or processing, I find those things super exciting because Mm -hmm. I think democratizing what game development is is super important. When I was growing up and trying to learn how to make games, it was a bit of a challenge. And the amount of things out there was a little bit more difficult to find. So I find that every year as things become more and more easier, I find that super exciting because I want childhood Brendan to to make it even easier to find all this stuff. I think that's important to get more people and more voices making cool, interesting things. I've been seeing people tweet recently that their elementary age children are making games in Bitsy. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie, I envy those kids because I didn't really start with any of the stuff till like after college. Mm-hmm, yeah. And I was like, what if I did start when I was in elementary school? What would my life be like right now? How old were you when you first started fooling around with the game stuff? And like, what did you first do? I was in uh, about fourth grade or fifth grade, and I was playing with QBasic, which is a simple language that comes pre-built with Windows or DOS machines. Memories. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I was really into Sierra adventure games at that time, so I would just try to make my own text adventures. And basically the games, the way that I made them was you would be in a room and you would have two choices, and one of those choices would let you continue on to the next room, and the other choice would kill you immediately. And then you <laughs> just repeat that over and over again for a bunch of rooms. It's like Dark Souls, It's like but <laughs> like 20 years ago. Amazing. <laughs> you are visionary. <laughs> I, I made Dark Souls text game. It was great. so much for taking the time to talk with me this fine afternoon. How do people find you, Brandon? On Twitter, I'm at Blundo Games. B-L-E-N-D-O Games. And we're back. Rachel, good job. Thank you so much. That was the first interview I ever gave. You did a great job. Thank you. sounded you. like a seasoned pro out there. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> you, you know don't say it was like short. Yeah. Well, I don't want to intimidate anybody, but you know. Well, any any kind of takeaways that you guys had with, uh, sorry, you guys, I mean, that's... Y'all. Y'all, right? Yeah. Folks. Yeah. Something folks. like that. But see, y'all just seems like very put on to me. I just try to say like you, everybody is how mm-hmm. I start this, the show. You all. Yeah. Y'all oh. is like Southern. I'm not, I'm not from the South. No, me neither, but whatever. Kind of fun to say it. The fact that I just caught attention to that was, ooh, okay. <laughs> no, this is, I think this is the work, right? I mess up all the time and people correct me and it's like, that's that's the work. Right. I don't, I don't, I'm going to cut all of this. Any takeaways that y'all had from the show? 
One thing I really appreciate about Brendan, I have the pleasure of doing some levels for his game, Flotilla 2, and um, I hacked the game so I could make a level editor outside of the engine. I was so grateful for him accepting my process. He just welcomed that creativity and his point on democratization of media underscores that sentiment of trying to open up the space. That was definitely one of my favorite parts of the interview, and I'm really glad it went in that direction. It's really great to hear like seasoned indie developers still thinking about how they broke in and wanting to make that easier for other people. Yeah, actually, speaking of people breaking into game development, we want to listen and respond to what's going on with the community. So we did open up last episode a email thread Right. We want your feedback. So if you want to take part in our voicemail hotline, what we need from you is to record a voicemail on your phone, your microphone on your computer, and uh, just send us the file to glitchcityradio at gmail.com with the subject line voicemails. Voicemails. Um, So we'll play your voicemails on the air and then we'll respond to them. We did get a couple since the last episode. Mm -hmm. Neat. Not. Well, let's just listen to these. Okay. Right. Hi, Glitch City. This is um, Hazel. I am a longtime listener, first-time caller. I just wanted to leave you some constructive feedback. I do love games and how often the episodes center around games, but I just... um, I was wondering what other interests you all have and if I could get to know you all on a more personal level and if you have an office space that I could come visit and what those hours are and what your personal phone numbers and addresses are. Thank you so much. Bye. I mean, I don't really know if I have an answer for Hazel. In general, our policy is, I'm saying this is someone who helps manage the space. Right. This is good. We don't like Mm drop-ins. We encourage people who are interested in the space to come to our public events. We usually have about two a month. So I'd say follow our social media, primarily our Facebook, to find out about those. If you know one of the members specifically, email them and talk to them, and they can bring you in as a visitor. Or if you don't want to do any of those things, you can email us. There's a link on our website, glitch.city. As for phone numbers, none of us own phones. (laughs) Maybe you ask on an individual basis if that feels contextually appropriate, but I mean, a mass Mm -hmm. release of phone numbers seems insecure. But we do thank you for your feedback, Hazel. Wherever you are. Right. Thank you. Then we had another one. Mm-hmm. Hey, Glitch City. This is Kevin, and I'm calling to ask whether y'all prefer Unity or Unreal. Thanks, y'all. Very uh, original question. Thank you, Kevin. Never heard that one before. <laughs> I started on Unity, and I'm continuing with Unity. They have a lot of updates. I just started using Timeline. They've got more coroutine support nested prefab support so i for about the past two years have kept on thinking i was going to switch over to unreal at some point but i've stayed with unity i also think projects that don't fit squarely into a game data coming in from different uh, sensors or an art project um, unity has been used for a rich bench of interactive media and you can find a lot of support from the indie dev community informative answer to kevin's question i was just kind of brushing him off but i mean i'm i'm in the unity camp as well as for me i gotta be honest i've only worked with unity out of the two and right now my biggest project is actually in lua 
so (laughs) kicking it old school it's true i don't have any strong feelings about lua it's fine i mostly just know to test my own assets which is pretty cool but otherwise i've only really worked with unity so i have no strong opinion and people should enjoy their engines also i don't like the fact that some people like will poo poo on indies for like oh you use unity yeah that's really stupid that makes no sense i was at e3 last year showcasing fractions too people were like is this made in unity and i'm like does it matter (laughs) right (laughs) maybe no i made this in assembly (laughs) are you impressed in that case yeah in that case Mm -hmm. okay i'm getting the move along sign from jamie so (laughs) let's wrap it up thank you to rachel and atley for coming thank you so much for being on the show this was maybe one of my favorite group panels so far oh Oh, thank you i had a great Time. We'll do this again sometime. Absolutely. All right, so that's it for another episode of Glitch City Radio, uh, episode three, now complete, Jamie. I loved it. It was uh, the third one. Third time's the charm. Uh, actually, speaking of three, we have Ooh. another member of our hosting group that we added at the end of episode three. You want to introduce yourself, mystery host? Who could it be? Hello, my name's Levi Rohr. I run a small indie company called Sunday Month. Oh, yeah, I think uh, listeners to episode two may be uh, familiar with your voice. Uh, so. Familiar, yeah. I'm happy to be here. There's going to be a couple changes to the show. Oh, really? Just a couple. Uh, okay. So that's exciting to look forward to. Number one change, just just a lot of, lot of dead air. Okay. Uh, excellent. <laughs> Glad to have you on board, Levi. Um, uh, let's uh, finish wrapping up this episode. I want to thank Brendan Chung again for coming on as the interview subject and for letting us use the soundtrack to uh, his game Flotilla 2 in the interview. Uh, actually, composed by Frédéric Chopin, the famous composer, and performed by Georgi Latsabidze. Not as confident about my pronunciation there, but... Uh, it was perfect. Pitch oh, perfect. And also, a big thanks to our panelists, Atlee and Rachel. You can find Atlee's work, Palimpsest, on the internet, and Rachel's games, Frog Fractions 1 and 2, are available to play. And a shout-out to Laura Mache, host of Live with Laura. Oh, yeah. What did you think of this episode of uh, Live with Laura, Levi? Uh, it, it was quite a romp. Any final notes here before we go? In case you don't already know, episodes come out early on Patreon, a week in advance of our wide release on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube. Be sure to donate to Patreon. Any amount will get you the early access. And we also have extra behind-the-scenes content for you there. I mean, I should subscribe. I'm actually very curious what's going on behind the scenes because we were adding this new host and everything. Seems like a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes. So Yeah, there's some tectonic shifts going on underneath <laughs> the surface. And uh, you you really won't know unless you get in on that behind-the-scenes exclusive content. Cool. So, um Patreon aside, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. We still don't have a rating displayed, so please, the five-star ratings definitely help, and we do have one review. Uh, yes. A good review. It but, would be good if we had a second good review. Yes. So Only good ones, please. Get on that, people. So anyway, uh, that's it. Another episode is coming out next month in January, so tune in then for another episode of Glitch City Radio. Glitch City Radio.